Monday, everyone. Hello. Or whatever day you're listening to this. I guess no. it doesn't have to be Monday. It's Monday. <laughs> yeah, you've been waiting for the new episode to drop and you're listening to it on Monday. It is Monday, 12.01 a.m. And you're rocking out with us right now. Yeah, that's right. And you're sipping on some wine with us here. Just like we are. <laughs> because that's what our listeners do. Because that's what we do. That is what we do. Hell Yeah. Today's episode is our true crime. I feel like we need to get better about saying that in the beginning. Oh, yeah. This is Blonde Moments Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Gina Bogey. And I'm Melinda Collins. <laughs> Whoops. That's us. We're just being blondes. Yeah. And we are recording on a Monday, so it's Monday. It's Monday. Yeah. We get we get to have some excuses too, right? We do. So I watched a new movie on Netflix that I absolutely loved. Ooh. And I want to know if you've seen it. It's called American Honey. Uh-uh. I don't think so. It's got Shia LaBeouf. Is that how you say it? Oh, is it about his dad? No. Okay, I don't know. Nope, I haven't seen this one. Is he the celebrity we were talking about where he said he was a lazy fucker? Yes. And you were like all about it. Yes. Now, do you like him? Is that? You know, I never really paid much attention to him, honestly. Like I watched, um, I can't think of the name of the show he was on, even Stevens or something like that when he was a kid. And so I knew him from that. He was like the like the annoying little brother in the show. But I never found him like attractive or anything like that. Same. And, and he's been in so many movies that are really good movies. Like he's a really like good. Transformers. Yeah. But I didn't find him attractive in Transformers. I never thought he was attractive, never no. gave a second look until well, hold on. this movie. <laughs> then I watched that Ellen, that hot seat that Ellen uh-huh. did. And I've like fell in love with him because he was so kind and funny and sweet and just like had all those like really cute answers. So American Honey, what is this about? Oh, I've never found this man attractive till this movie. And now he's like... He bumped D out of the way. B- <laughs> And if you look at him in this movie, his hair is like overgrown and he has like this braided rat tail. Maybe I have seen this. Like not something that you would think is attractive, right? What is the movie about? So it's about this girl named Star who is very poor and she really doesn't have a family. And Shia LaBeouf, I I can't remember his name in the movie. Jake. Jake, yes, there you go. I'm he, just looking it up. That's the only reason I know. He works for this chick who basically it's like her and her groupies and Jake is one of them where they sell magazines, but they're all like kids who really don't have a home. They all travel together in a van and they go from city to city selling magazines. Okay. And so she meets uh, Jake in like a, off the side of the road. She was hitchhiking and she followed him to like a Kmart and he invited her to come with them. Okay. And so she decides to go with them to sell magazines on the road. And it just goes a whole bunch of, you know, whatever from there. But ooh, there's like this one sex scene with the two of them. <laughs> like in the in a field somewhere. And oh, it's kind of trashy. But like... He looks kind of trashy in the pictures that yes. I just saw. Yeah. But that did it for you. Oh, my God. I'm like, whoo. Sir, bring that rat tail over here. (laughs) (laughs) Tie me up with your rat tail. Um, That was turning you on. I keep thinking about the email from Merrick with him and his girlfriend mm, in the vibrator. mm -hmm. Like It keeps popping in my head. I'm like, that was sexy. It was sexy. So yeah, we're both turned on this week, huh? I guess. You know, my husband had a rat tail when he was young. I I do remember because it's it's in your your mother-in-law's possession Mm -hmm. now. (laughs) 
which is bizarre. <laughs> yeah, she uh, decided to keep the rat tail when she cut it off, I guess. Does she ever like take it out and twirl it between her fingers <laughs> or have it attached to a keychain? I don't know, but I'm thinking about asking Chris to regrow it. Rat tail back. <laughs> yeah. I can braid it for him at night. Honey, can you please regrow your rat tail and start selling magazines? Yeah, I could I could take the braid out and brush his tail and then rebraid oh, it for him at night. That is so sexy. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a good movie. It sounds good. Yeah, it was. Did you see the movie he was in, Peanut Butter Falcon? No, but I heard it it's was really so good. good. It's so cute. And he credits his co-star, who has Down syndrome, as changing his life. I saw, I read an article. He said one of his worst traits or what, I don't know even what do you want to call it, was that he'll go read every single comment like written about him in these movies and the worst ones are the ones he always lets get to him. But he said for that movie, he read all the comments because he was more concerned of people saying negative things about yeah. his co-star. And he was more worried about that because he knew his co-star was reading them too. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. Who writes negative stuff about people like that anyways? I will never understand. I don't either. Fucking internet warriors, man. Stupid. People have nothing better to do with your time. I was raised, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say something at all. Well, you, you don't know. always follow that. Well, <laughs> majority of the time. But I mean, okay. to pick on an actor who has special needs, you're some sort of extra low of a person sure. who could do that. But the movie was really good. I loved it. I thought that everybody, because Dakota Johnson's in that movie too, they they played their roles perfectly. It was very was Shia hot in it? Better than the rat tail. Yes. <sighs> I don't know about that. Okay, well... <laughs> Speaking of seduction, ooh, I found this stupid criminal. <laughs> oh no. His name is Albert Maruna. He's 23 years old and online he thought he was talking to a 15-year-old boy, which is disgusting. That's so disgusting. But he was actually talking to an undercover Austin Town police officer. Albert had arranged to meet in person, and he planned to bring lubricant, Sprite, and chicken Alfredo. Oh. <laughs> Who eats chicken Alfredo before you plan on doing any sort of sexual anything? No, because that's pasta. That's a heavy dish. Right. So I need a nap after eating something like that. Yeah, you don't feel like going to Pound Town, but thank no, God to that Pound Town. <laughs> he was talking to an arrest or uh, an officer, but he was arrested and then placed on house arrest for 120 days and will have to register as a tier one sex offender. This guy is not going to stop. As soon as he yeah. can, he's going to do the same shit again. Can Absolutely. we start having more strict guidelines for what we do for to these fucking pedophiles? pedophiles? Yeah. The fact that he gets this light of a sentence because nothing actually happened is fucked up. It's disgusting. Because if it wasn't an officer. He's just going to be sneakier about it. Exactly. And that if it wasn't an officer, he probably would have molested this child. Yeah. It's disturbing. I hate it. I would love to cook up some Alfredo sauce to the point where it's scalding hot and pour it over the top of his head. That would make me feel a lot better. Burn him at the stake. Burned alive at yeah. the stake pedophiles are just so fucking disgusting to me mm-hmm. like i can't but what i thought was funny was it just says man tried to to seduce undercover officer with chicken alfredo <laughs> i mean it might work for me chicken alfredo i am not the chicken in the chicken alfredo i like just alfredo and noodles 
like fettuccine. What I don't about, need the like, chicken. Broccoli chicken alfredo. I do, but yeah. I don't, again, I don't need the chicken. <laughs> I'm weird. I I'm we- I get it. <laughs> I hate to actually tell this story this week, but I have to because it was brought to my attention by a listener. Okay, Jessica, thank you. Uh oh. <sighs> Man had sex with a dolphin called Dolly for a year. <laughs> And claimed she seduced him. (laughs) (laughs) Those dolphins, we're learning, they're very seductive. They're seductresses. Just when you thought the dolphin days were over, they're not. Hey, it's not our fault. It's not our fault that people out there are still fucking dolphins. Again, we talked about it with the, what was the, Peter, Pete, Petey? Peter. Peter, the dolphin. And we had said that, you know, a man had done this to a female dolphin. I just feel bad because Pete, the dolphin, Peter, why do I, I, I obviously can't get his name. I keep wanting to call him Petey. <laughs> but Peter, he at least was sticking his thing into a woman. That was his choice. Um. Well, this man said this, Dolly seduced him. No, this man has some Well, let's problem. hear the story. Okay. Malcolm Brenner wrote a book. And who's naming these damn dolphins? <laughs> Dolly? Jesus. He wrote a book, Wet Goddess. No. <laughs> oh, God. That is so gross. About his experiences with the dolphin, who he claims to have a relationship with when he was a student. Malcolm Brenner is a self-confessed zoophile who claims he had an affair with a dolphin called Dolly after she seduced him. Now 68, Malcolm was still a student when he embarked on the relationship with the bottlenose dolphin in the 1970s. So here we go, another <laughs> 60s, 70s dolphin fucking relationship. He has written a novel, Wet Goddess, which tells the story Ugh. of a young man who has a sexual relationship with a dolphin, Ruby, while he's working at a theme park. Malcolm has admitted the book is autobiographical and based on his own experiences. He said, I wrote this book for dolphins because we are mistreating these animals by keeping them in captivity. <laughs> like, I, okay. So do you think, sir, that your cock's enough to bring Dolly back if you set her right. free into the ocean? You sicko. <laughs> Malcolm claims to have been in his early 20s when he started his relationship with Dolly. He was a keen photographer and was allowed to take pictures in the pool at a former theme park in Sarasota, Florida, where he lived. Hmm. Mm, Florida, man. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) The student was allowed to swim with the dolphins and soon formed a close bond with Dolly. He said, I was given free access to the dolphins and I became friends with her by going swimming with her. She was very special. Malcolm claims Dolly announced her intentions toward him by positioning herself so she was rubbing against, so he was rubbing against her. He added, (laughs) (sighs) at first I discouraged her. I wasn't interested. After some time I thought. You're such a liar, dude. (laughs) Malcolm, I do not believe you, sir. After some time I thought, if this was a woman, would I come up with these excuses and rationalizations? Malcolm insists Dolly became more and more aggressive in her pursuit of him. He said, I found that extraordinarily erotic. It's like being with a tiger or a bear. This is an animal that could kill you in two seconds if it wanted to. Then one night after the theme park had closed, Malcolm says he and Dolly eluded the male dolphin so they could spend time alone and eventually had sex for the first time. He explained, there's something quite transcendental about making love with a dolphin. (laughs) What? Malcolm... Oh, so he's just like, 
I guess I'm tonight's the night. Mm-hmm. Let's get some, rid of that male dolphin yeah. so we can go. Put him somewhere else. Dim the lights. Mm-hmm. Warm the water. <laughs> put on some candles. Get some sardines out. Some Kenny G. <laughs> and then he's like taking his pants off. Dolly. It's time. I've been thinking about you. <laughs> Malcolm has so always gross. stressed there was nothing abusive about his relationship with Dolly and that dolphins basically have free will. He added, what is repulsive about a relationship where both partners feel and express love for each other? I know what I'm talking about here because after we made love, the dolphin put her snout on my shoulder, embraced me with her flippers, and we stared into each other's eyes oh, for about a minute. Oh, no, sir. I'm just over here shaking my head. This was not some dog trying to hump my leg, okay? This was a 400-pound... No, you, sir, were the dog trying to hump her. (laughs) This was a 400-pound wild-born female dolphin. She was an awesome creature. But nine months after Malcolm began his relationship with Dolly, the park closed and she was moved elsewhere. It sent the young student into a spiral of depression. He said, I called it a relationship because that's what it was. When she died, it made me feel terrible, and I fell into depression, which lasted five years. Malcolm also claimed their separation had a devastating impact on Dolly. She died shortly after she was moved, and Malcolm firmly believes she committed suicide by voluntarily stopping breathing, just like Mm -hmm. poor Peter. Mm -hmm. It's like a battered woman syndrome. The relationship didn't break any laws as bestiality was only banned in Florida in 2011, which is (laughs) fucking- Because of you fuckers. That's why it had to happen. (laughs) I mean, it shouldn't even be a thing. Here's the most disgusting part of this article. The last sentence for me. Great. It gets worse. Malcolm has since been married twice, but also describes himself as a zoophile and says he has had previous sexual experiences with a dog. Yeah, you knew it wasn't just going to stop there. So do you think he's like, hey, honey, tonight, can you dress up in your dolphin outfit? You sicko. I don't know. I'm like turned off. The woman was one thing, again, because like Peter was the one inserting himself. This one, he's inserting himself into the dolphin. I just... I'm not saying it's okay for anybody to be doing this, right. but good freaking Lord. I just can't believe how many stories are out there about people fucking dolphins. Like, what the hell? And the woman married him. Yeah. Knowing he's done this. I wouldn't be okay with that. I wouldn't be okay with a dog either. Like, no. that's disgusting. I almost feel like that's even nastier. Yeah. I'm going to change the subject. Well, we're turned off now. <laughs> we were right. We were- we just went ahead and... Dolphin. <sighs> doing the dolphins again. Nasty. A police officer in Flippin, Arkansas, discovered a woman smuggling meth disguised as a hair bow in her hair after pulling her over for an expired vehicle registration. Wait. She <laughs> She had a hair bow in her hair. Oh, hair bow. I thought you meant hair bow. Like the gummies. Like the gummies? No, a hair bow. Okay. Police officer Kenneth Looney spotted a Dodge Neon. A Dodge Neon. A Dodge Neon. (laughs) That's like the meth car. (laughs) Driving through town with an expired registration. And then she failed to stop as well. But she's 38-year-old Jessica Bernice Krop. Eventually, she pulled over. The police officer asked for her license, and she said that that, too, was expired. She did not have any insurance 
I mean, are any of these things surprising? No. Right. I'm not surprised. No. She had five valid warrants out for her arrest, along with four failures to appear warrants, one failure to pay fine warrants, and <laughs> he goes to, to place her under arrest, asks her to step out of the car, and then he notices a strange-looking bow in her hair. <laughs> He says, I observed what appeared to be a bow in her hair. The bow appeared to be a small Ziploc bag containing a white crystal-like substance of suspected oh, no. meth. The baggie had a small rubber band around the middle, giving it a bow shape and was attached to a body pin. The substance was affixed to the right side of her head, attached to her hair. I said, are you serious? <laughs> she said, what? I said, you have a bow in your hair made from a bag of meth? She said, I didn't know that was there. Someone <laughs> else put that there and I didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> my mommy got me dressed this morning and put this on me 38 years old right um so then they go and they search the car she was pleading like don't tow the vehicle away and uh, he said okay well i won't tow the vehicle away if you're honest with me well then they searched the car she had a number of illegal items inside her purse she had more bags of meth a vape pen with thc oil another vape pen with thc oil and meth in it oh my gosh i love this because there's actually a picture and she's quite sexy oh my gosh. and if you scroll up there's another picture too of it like it's very obvious too oh that hair what Ooh, i girl. think is weird is that she already had it in her purse he maybe wouldn't even have looked if she didn't have if it, it wasn't on her head hair so is this the new trend for the year meth head hair bows it's just there's a lot of drugs I don't understand, but meth is up there on the list. I've I've never seen or heard of somebody doing meth where it worked out. <laughs> they like have a happy marriage right. and children and they have a big old mansion, boats, cars, planes. Yeah. yeah. Usually they're missing most of their teeth because apparently that like it like rots your teeth, I mm -hmm. guess. Mm -hmm. Their faces, like they're always picking at their faces. Like you've seen the like pictures of mugshots of, you know, people before and after meth. It like literally destroys people's looks. Yes. So I guess I don't understand the appeal to it. It it must be obviously sounds like it's a transition drug. Nobody you don't hear people starting with meth generally. I mean but I think maybe it's in like Florida. It it becomes one of those things where you want more. The high is not enough. So right. you move on to the next thing and you're you're probably at a low point in your life too. Right. I don't know. I'm trying to make this make sense and it probably yeah. will never. This is why I just stick to wine. Maybe some Tito's. Yeah. None of that's, uh, you know, going to destroy my life. So I don't, know, I don't know where to go from here. I mean, I guess I do know where to go from here. I have another <laughs> fun story. You have to. This is a podcast. We have to continue. <laughs> Adult stay-at-home baby says she's a two-year-old woman trapped in a body of a 22-year-old woman. Wow. That's pretty young to, to be <laughs> wanting to be a baby already. 22 is like the prime, you know, like you're out drinking, having fun with your friends, and you just want to shit in a diaper. Mm-hmm. Lexi from Indiana in the U.S., the 22-year-old adult, gets her boyfriend to read her bedtime stories and change her nappy. Oh, Which God. I'm assuming is a diaper. Yep. But she insists they don't have a sexual relationship. Well, I guess if she thinks she's two or if she can't have sex, right? <laughs> 
so what is the boyfriend getting out of this then? I mean, I understand <sighs> if you want to pretend you're a baby and then your boyfriend's on board with it but what is he might what is he getting out he of might it be the even creepier one if he's not yeah. at least getting to have some sort of sex he's... i don't know that i believe all that that there's no se- i think she's saying that to i don't know lexi spends her days at home playing with toys sleeping watching cartoons and drinking milk i mean this doesn't sound like a bad no <laughs> not at all her boyfriend. Have all of your meals prepared for you. Right. You cry and somebody just brings you some milk or some food. Okay. I could get on board with that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But not the not some of the other parts of this I can't get on board with. Her boyfriend, who she calls Daddy, makes her food, reads her stories, puts her to bed, and even changes her diapers. Lexi is okay, now- Okay, but then we have to discuss more, too, because she, I'm sure, has her period. Right. This guy's a saint. Lexi- He's got to be a little fucked up, too. <laughs> For sure. (laughs) Lexi is now lifting the lid on life in an adult baby relationship and breaking taboos on what is more commonly seen as a deviant lifestyle and says there is nothing sexual about it. She said it's about returning to innocence and a time before negative things happened to me. It's like a coping mechanism. Yeah, something's happened to this woman for sure. Yes. I spend my days wearing nappies 24-7. I have my morning change as soon as I wake up. Then her boyfriend feeds me her bottle and then I watch cartoons and play with toys. I live exactly like a child. How do you find somebody who's willing to do this stuff with you? Just wait until I show you this I'm not just role-playing. I live as if I'm a baby, and that's what I aspire to do for the rest of my life because when I found out that living like this could happen, I wanted it right away. My boyfriend is very supportive. I told him about it as soon as we met on a dating site. Uh, it's a part of my life. There it is. There it is. <laughs> you, it wasn't like they were dating and then this This was like yeah. a specific She was relation- searching yeah. for someone. He needed to be up for it if he wanted to date me. He was immediately accepting and has been my caregiver for over a year. He cares for me like a parent would care for a child. <sighs> Speaking of which, I am wearing my slippers. I'm trying to get them all nice and funky so, yeah. uh, so he can give me an offer. I can't refuse. <laughs> so I'm going to show you some of the... <laughs> She's surrounded by toys. Yeah, like feeding her a bottle. Oh my god! Oh, she has. I have that exact uh, pack and play. I wonder if she sleeps in the pack and play for her nap. She's got a nook in her mouth. Yeah, but changing a grown woman's diaper—that's gross. Like, is he really cleaning up like the poop and stuff? He's got to be. I just. If you want (laughs) no sex and you want to clean up a shit diaper, I'm the girl for you. I mean, how do you even like show yourself, not show yourself, market yourself? I don't know. I can't get on board with this one either. Yeah. What the fuck? So many weird stories we have sharing today. Every episode. (laughs) I mean, the stranger the better, I feel like. So I have another bizarre story too there is this man in germany and he has had some extreme body modifications um because he's trying to completely change his look his name is sandro he's also known as mr Skullface on his social media accounts he has had his is this the guy who had his ears removed he had his ears removed so that his head would resemble a skull and he keeps his ears in a jar that's disgusting I saw this. Now he also wants to have the tip of his nose removed and his eyeballs tattooed, which we've talked about before. 
Yeah. He says, friends have tried to talk me out of the modifications, especially when it came to cutting off my ears, but I'm just a person who likes to go his own way. If people stare, I don't really care. If someone says something like, you are a sick old man, then I will answer with, thank you for the compliment. There is a picture of his ears in a jar. Ugh. Why are you keeping those? So is it just like a gaping hole in the side of your head, though? That can't be good for your ears. Like, normally all you have all the, like, the hairs and stuff in your ears to protect, like, your inner ears. To protect ear. your ears. Yeah. yeah. You have, like, the little hairs and, and everything. I mean, but my question is, is, like, what doctor is like, okay, yeah, no problem. Let's do it. Maybe he cut him off himself. He's obsessed with body modification. It started in 2007 when he saw someone who'd had spikes embedded into their head. In the next 13 years, he'd taken it to the extreme. He went under 17 different modifications, including a tongue-splitting surgery, which is not even bizarre anymore. Isn't that crazy? It's still so gross to me. I see that and I'm like, ugh, I just don't get it. It's got to have some benefit, right? Like if people somebody... get like their tongues pierced. That's supposed to help with oral sex. I wonder. I mean, you because they can move them in different directions. Yeah. Hey, there's a vibrator uh, that we can sell. <laughs> the split tongue the vibrator. The split tongue. He also had a contactless payment chip embedded in his wrist. Also, obviously, the removal of his ears. He's undergone operations to insert implants in his forehead, forearm, and hand. He admits his appearance has made it difficult for him to find a job, but it has made him more confident. He has tattoos all over his face, piercings as well as all over his face. He should just start in OnlyFans. I'm sure. He could probably sell slippers something yeah but there's no uh, earmuffs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too far too I'm soon too saying. soon i'm just saying all right so i think now we've got all the crazy interesting i mean i could go on yeah well we will next episode <gasps> One of our listeners, Brenda, sent in a message and she said, I have an interesting topic that you guys might be able to do one day. I don't know how many listener stories you would get from this, but you could probably find some very interesting ones online. Maybe you could get stories of people who have survived a serial killer or had a run-in with someone like that, or just stories from people who have survived an attack of some sort and lived to talk about it. It wouldn't be funny like a lot of your other episodes, but it goes along with your true crime episodes. So coincidentally, our last true crime episode, we both had survivors mm -hmm. and we both loved it. So we are both doing survivor stories today as well. I had actually seen, well, I watched an episode that ended up being a survivor story that I chose for this week anyway. So yeah. it worked out well for me. And I knew you were doing that. And I'm like, well, we got this email. I'll do a survivor one as well so we can appease our sweet brenda so thank you for sending that in and she's right the the survivor ones are nice because obviously a tragedy has happened and that's awful but it's nice to see people who have survived mm -hmm. you know from these sickos in this world all right so my story takes place in Dickinson, Texas. It is about Jennifer Shewitt. August 9th, 1990. She was eight years old. She always usually slept in bed with her mom for comfort. She was very afraid of the dark and it was just her and her mom. Like there was, it was always just those two. They didn't, in this show, they didn't say anything about the dad. There was no other brothers and sisters. It was just her and her mom. So that night she was very restless and she kept kicking her mom who had to work in the morning. And her mom asked her if she would please sleep in her own bed that night so she could get some sleep. And so Jennifer said, just because I love you, mommy, I'll go sleep in my own bed tonight. Aww. I know. <sighs> She went into her own room and turned on a lamp and read some books until she fell asleep. The next thing she remembered, she was awake in the arms of a man she didn't know, and he was running with her, carrying her down the sidewalk. She tried to scream, but he covered her nose and mouth. He got her into his car, 
sat her in his lap and started driving and told her everything would be okay, that he was an undercover police officer. Now, did they live in an apartment or? They lived in an apartment. Okay. Yes. And I mean. Even more weird. Yeah. Eight years old, you're like, this is weird, but he says he's a police officer, right? And this she, was 1990. 1990, yes. Okay. She realized very soon after that she had been kidnapped. He pulled into the parking lot of her elementary school and he told her her mom would be coming. But then after a while, obviously her mom wasn't coming. He said, well, your mom isn't coming and started up the car and went a few blocks away into a dead end gravel road where there was an overgrown field. He held a knife to her throat, asked her if she was scared, and then he choked her. He choked her and tried to break her neck, but was unsuccessful in breaking her neck. She blacked out for a while, and when she woke up, he was dragging her by her ankles through the field. He dropped her legs and walked off, and she heard his car door shut and him drive away. I'm assuming that he had thought that she was dead, and he was left her for dead right. in that field. She realized she couldn't scream, but she didn't know why. She put her hand on her neck and felt a gaping wound and <gasps> saw blood all over her oh, hand. Oh, no. Have you ever seen The Lovely Bones? Yes. This this story kind of reminded me of the movie. I was like, I except, you know... Jennifer obviously survived, but I wondered if this had some... Yeah, because it's a book, so maybe mm -hmm. the author had derived some of her right style of her story or, from this. Yeah. yeah, It became light outside. She couldn't move her body, she couldn't lift her head, and she had fire ants crawling all over her body, stinging her, and she kept going in and out of consciousness. She said every time she came to, she was in disbelief that she hadn't died yet. She could see cars and hear them, but she couldn't do anything about it. That morning, she was reported missing by her mother, who found her window open and Jennifer gone. Oh, can you imagine? No. Especially because other than that, she was sleeping in bed with you. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, I can't even imagine, like, the guilt that her mom felt. Like, it was her fault, when in reality, it wasn't no. her fault. The police set up a search parties for fields nearby. In the evening, Jennifer heard children playing and felt something hit her foot. There were kids playing tag in that field, and one of the kids tripped over her foot. <gasps> oh, my God. Thank God, right? Because who knows how long she would have lasted there before wow. she died. Yeah. So police came. She was put in a life flight helicopter and taken to the hospital. Her throat had been cut from ear to ear, and she couldn't <sighs> talk, but she was alert and awake. The cut went through her trachea, but fortunately not any major vessel. So that's how she didn't die. Crazy. I can't even believe this story. Mm -mm. They had to put a trach in under her cut that they sewed up, but she still couldn't talk. And then police had to guard outside of her room in the hospital, too, because they had no idea who did this. Right. Could be somebody who was still looking for her. Um, they also discovered in the hospital that she had been sexually assaulted. Oh. She did not remember the rape. That thank God for that. Yeah. I'm assuming it was one of the times she was unconscious. The mind is a beautiful thing sometimes. So she said she had a very difficult eight years old too. Yeah. Oh my God. I, ugh. I, I can't even imagine what again with the pedophiles. Fucking burn them at the stake. Yes. Disgusting. I have no. Yeah. I don't even know the right word, but I don't have any. I don't have any pity on them either. I no. have zero fucking pity for a pedophile. There's none. Some, some wires that are crossed that should not be crossed if no. you're capable of that. So Ugh. she had a difficult time with the male doctors because she had a hard time trusting men. Fair. This man had said that he was a police officer, mm -hmm. and so she was like scared. An officer canvassing the area where the where. Jennifer was found a couple little bit away, found some clothing of Jennifer's and the suspects, including both of their underwear. Oh. 
Mm -hmm. So they took that into evidence. So that was good. Jennifer couldn't speak. So she would write notes to her mother about what happened. And her mom would hand off the notes to the police officers. I can't even imagine having to read that about the things your child went through. No. And she had to write them to her mom because she was still, again, too, too afraid to talk to the police officers. Or she couldn't. Yeah. Well, she would, yeah, she had to write it down. And the fact that she was just safe in her own home and this happened. How would you ever feel safe or comfortable? No, she was still scared in the hospital oh that probably, you know, that someone's going to come take her. So she wrote down that his name was Dennis. That's what he had told her. And she gave any details that she could remember. Then they also had a forensic artist named Lois come in, and she helped Jennifer create a composite sketch of the kidnapper. She regained her voice by the time she left the hospital. Oh, wow. So that was good. Mm-hmm. Years went by, though. There was no leads in the case, and it went cold. But Jennifer said she always looked everywhere for whoever attacked her. She did graduate high school. She attended college, and she got married to a wonderful man, and she tried her best to move on with her life. Her cold case was handed off several times, and she just gave up. She was so frustrated because every time somebody new came onto the case, she had to relive this, and it never went anywhere. So she was like over it at so that point I'm in time. I'm going to assume eventually the technology catches up and they're able to test the underwear. The next detective, Tim Cromie, picked up the cold case. He promised Jennifer that he would do whatever he could in his power to solve her case because by the time guy. he went and talked to her, he was so excited to pick up this cold case. And then he interviewed her and she was just crying. She was like, I'm so over this. So he was like, I'm, I'm going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. They submitted the clothing that was found for DNA to the FBI lab. It took over a year to get the results back. 19 years after the attack, the DNA had a hit. Dennis Earl Bradford. He was convicted of kidnapping in 1997 and sexually assaulting a woman he met in a bar, and that sexual assault was what put his DNA into the national database. That ultimately... That's what I was saying with my last one, too. Remember, like, sometimes they feel like they need that culprit to strike again in Mm -hmm. order to get that is which is unfortunate they have to strike again and that ultimately matched back to the evidence they submitted remember she had written in her notes that his name was dennis Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. she was right and they looked back at the notes and jennifer was so accurate on like everything details of like the car brands of cigarettes in the car you know, just eight years old. That is super impressive. Yeah. Detectives had to link Dennis to being in the area of the crime when it happened, though. So not just the DNA. They wanted to like really make this case solid. So they pulled up his driver's license and the picture on his driver's license looked so similar to the sketch that was done. It was crazy. He had two known addresses and they were both in very close proximity to Jennifer's apartment. So he was arrested on a warrant and was to be charged with attempted capital murder. Dennis lived with his wife and his three stepsons, a seemingly normal guy. So they interrogated him and he kept just saying, oh, you did your homework. You did your homework. Cocky son of a bitch, huh? Mm, At first, yes. Then they asked him to talk about it so he could give Jennifer some closure. And he originally said no, but then he started talking. He said, not a single day goes by where I don't see that baby. She was innocent, and I was a sick, deranged, beat-up little fucking punk. He wow. said he was, Yeah. Thank God he confessed. He said he was driving around that night and randomly pulled into that apartment parking lot, walked over to the window that was open, and saw Jennifer inside. Originally, he, he didn't want to, like, say it, like what he did, but he eventually did. He said he took that little girl out of the room and raped her and cut her throat, and he didn't know why. So he confessed to everything. <sighs> heavy 
Mm-hmm. Now, here's an interesting fact for this, too. He attempted suicide after the attack. He was sent for a psychiatric evaluation in the same hospital that Jennifer was in at eight oh, years old. Oh, no. They didn't even know that until, like, going back and looking at all this. In the county jail awaiting trial, Dennis committed suicide and hung himself. And Jennifer was so upset about this. She said she wanted to face him. She wanted to read her victim impact statement. She had said when they arrested him, please don't let him kill himself because she wanted she that. some closure. Yes. And so, this was how many years later then? This was 19 years. Wow. 19 years. Hell yeah, you'd want to face that guy and spit in his face or just... Mm-hmm. So on August 10th, 2010, 20 years after the attack to the exact day, Jennifer sat at Dennis Earl Bradford's grave and she read her victim impact statement. I'd piss all over yeah. She read some of it on the show and it was like super emotional. Like I was crying. I bet. Like her saying her victim impact statement. It was so sad. But anyways, so she read this <sighs> and she said she turned to her husband at the grave and said, I wonder if he's hearing me. And just then a single fire ant bit her on her leg. What? So she said she took that as a sign that he heard her loud and clear. Oh my God. Isn't that crazy? That's wild. She now has two children of her own, and she has moved on with her life. That's horrible. I know. The show was so wild to me on so many aspects. And she's like the sweetest woman ever. Mm-hmm. It was like 22 years after the attack that she had. She, she got pregnant with her first child. And she said, you know, her kids are her everything. And she's, you know, moved on and has a good life. Her husband seems like he's a really good guy. So good for her Mm -hmm. that she was able to like have some closure. They finally found this fucking piece of shit. Good riddance. He's dead. I'm sad that she didn't get to face him. Yeah, he kind of took the coward's way out, but he could have at least let her have her moment and then do it. He already knew he was a piece of shit, so he didn't want to have to sit there and go through that. No. It was already said by like his attorneys he didn't want to go to trial. He was just going to plead guilty Mm because he didn't want to. Because he was a piece of shit, right? I don't think he wanted to be put on blast for what a piece of shit he was. No, he didn't want to sit there and hear how much of a piece of shit he was. Yeah, in front of everybody. So yeah, he took the coward's way out. I'm glad that she's found new happiness in her life and she loves being a mom and she has a good support system and husband and Mm -hmm. she was able to to move on with her life. I can't imagine how protective over my children I would be. Yeah. Because she'll never forget, right? No. Never. I mean, if I was that mom, I I would kill that person. Yeah. Like, I am... I am all okay with people murdering their children's rapist or killers or whatever. Like, I... Yeah, and I don't think there should be any consequences for that. If somebody raped and murdered your child and you killed them in return, I don't think there should be any consequences for that. I really don't. Oh, man. Just my opinion, but, you know. Well, I have a pretty heavy story. I know. I feel like that was a heavy one, too. Mm-hmm. It's so heavy because she was so little. Yeah. But there was, you know, the silver lining. She's been able to move on and make her life better. Yes. This story starts in 1978, Las Vegas, Nevada. And this is the story of Mary Vincent. Mary was a 15-year-old girl who loved dancing. People said that she was born to be a star, like a star dancer. She was an aspiring artist. The one thing in her life that she always wanted, even from a young age, she always wanted to be a mother. Her parents, Herb and Lucy, were going to get a divorce. And this was super tough for Mary. She had six siblings. And they were all just struggling with the fact that they were all going to be broken up. Divorced. Like, that's never easy for the kids, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when there's seven of you total. 
you know, for the kids that you know not everybody's going to stay with just one parent. Yeah. Not everybody's going to just live with mom or just live with dad. Life is different. Mm-hmm. So when things kind of got really bad between her parents and she knew that divorce was inevitable, she started skipping school, was kind of acting out. One day when she had skipped school, one of her siblings had told her that their dad had had a migraine and it was because he was mad at Mary. So Mary, being 15 years old, took it upon herself that she needed to get out of the house and she decided that she was going to run away. She had a boyfriend at the time and her and her boyfriend ran away to California and they were living in a car. After a while, they broke up and she decided that she was going to stay at her uncle's house in California. But even while she was staying at her uncle's house, she felt super alone and she's just like, you know what? I want to go home. I want to be with my parents and I want to see my siblings. So what she was deciding to do was she was going to hitchhike and go from her uncle's house to her grandpa's house in Corona, California. That was her big plan. September 29th, 1978, she stood out on a highway with a group of other teenagers who were hitchhiking. They were holding signs saying where they were headed to, and there was a pretty good amount of them, so she felt pretty safe. But this is the 70s. Yeah. So this is before people had to really know, like, people are evil. You can't do this sort of stuff. Yeah. I would never even think of hitchhiking ever. Now? No. Even if it was like an old grandma that picked me up or something, I'd still be like, nah, she's going to take me somewhere. Mm -hmm. She's got a mask on. (laughs) Right. Like, ugh. Two days later, a couple was driving down a road. They had missed their exit and were trying to get back on the right path. While they were driving, they saw Mary in the middle of the road, covered in blood, naked, with her arms in the air. As they got closer, she said, he raped me. They picked her up, wrapped her in a blanket, and drove her to the nearest phone so they could call the police. Once the police got there, she was then airlifted to the nearest hospital. Once she was at the hospital, the doctors realized Mary was in super bad shape. When the couple found Mary, her arms were in the air, but not only was she doing that to get their attention, she was also trying to stop the blood from draining out because her arms had been cut off from below the elbow. Oh my god. Both arms. She was hanging on to her life by a thread. She had lost about half the blood in her body in addition to having several broken ribs. The doctors were doing everything to try to save her life, but they were unsure if she would make it. But she was a fighter. Ten days later, she stabilized. They started fitting her for prosthetics for both of her arms. They had nurses that were trying to help her with the prosthetics to learn, like a physical therapist. Yeah. The police then finally come in to question her about everything that had happened and to also get more insight on who her attacker was. She was able to describe him in great detail. And because of this, it didn't take long for the investigators to find the culprit. But this is what her story was. Oh, my God. I can't imagine somebody cutting my arms off after raping me she was hitchhiking (sighs) to her grandpa's house that day and she felt safe because of the other hitchhikers she felt alone couldn't wait to get to her grandpa's house and so she was like whoever comes here to pick me up i'm going with them a old blue van drove up with an old man driving and this old man reminded her of her grandpa see that's what i just said Mm -hmm. even if it was a grandma or grandpa i would be like no Mm -hmm. this driver looks at all the hitchhikers and remember there's a group of them and he's in this big ass like a total like 70s vw looking van the huge like the free candy van yes like a free can exactly like a free candy van he says that he couldn't take anybody else but mary 
And the whole group was like, mm, Mary, this isn't a really good idea. Yeah. You know, we're all going in the same direction. Why couldn't he at least even take one more of us? And she's like, you know what? I just wanted to get home. So she got into the van and she says that everything felt super normal. Nothing felt odd. She noticed that he was wearing a mechanic's uniform. He also had told her that he has a daughter her age, and that made her feel much more comfortable. A grandpa had a daughter 15. Mm. Well, to a 15-year-old, he looked like a grandpa. Okay. So she's enjoying her ride. They're, she's having cigarettes and just, you know, they're talking, whatever. And at one point, she sneezes in the van, and the man places his hand on the back of her neck and forced her to move closer to him and said, Let's see if you really are sick. She got super creeped out. Yeah. She pulled away and she tried to sit as close to the door as possible. He tells her that, you know, in actuality, I'm not going south, but I'm going north. And he said that he would drop her off at a future place at Interstate 5 Junction. So even though he was going in the opposite direction, it still ended up working out for her. But while they're driving, she gets super tired and she falls asleep. When she woke up, it was dark and she found that they were way the hell out of the way, way past the five junction. And she was like, fuck. Yeah. Something's up. So she starts feeling around inside the van for anything that she could find to use as a weapon. And she finds this large pointy object. She points it at him and says, you better turn around or I will kill you. He turns around on the highway and he said... Hey, like, I made a mistake. I'm super sorry. I'm an honest man, and I, I wouldn't hurt you. So as they keep driving, it's obviously super dark out, and he says that he needs to stop to pee. They were in such a secluded place, and he wanted to stop because he was unsure how long away the next rest stop was going to be. He had also been drinking this whole time. Ugh. Because of everything that happened earlier and how far out of the way they were, she was a little on edge, and she's like, as soon as we pull over, I'm booking it. Yeah, that was my first thought. As mm -hmm. soon as the van pulled over, I'd open the door and get the fuck out. When he stopped and started peeing, she hopped out of the van and took off. But while she's running, she notices that her shoe was untied and she bent down to tie her shoe. And then she was hit from behind on her head with a sledgehammer and she blacks out. Oh, my God. When Mary came to, she was in the back of the van, tied up. Her hands were tied above her head and her feet were tied. And then he started raping her. No. She asked him multiple times, why are you doing this to me? And he was eerily silent the whole time. Soon he falls asleep. Uh, she tries to untie herself, get out of the van, get away from him. And she's saying, like, God, just kill me. Like, I, I, what am I going to do right now? Just kill me. I want to die. I don't think I can handle what's going to happen to me. So eventually he wakes up and he moves the van further into the middle of nowhere. And he just rapes her again and again and again throughout the night. <sighs> In the early hours of the morning, he cuts her ties and he said, you better do everything I tell you to do or I will kill you. He forced her to drink alcohol. He raped her again. But this time, she just stayed quiet the entire time. While all this is going on, just think, keep in mind too, she's ass naked. Yeah. Eventually from exhaustion, she passes out. But at one point, when she wakes up, he demands that she lay in the street with her legs tied. And she just starts pleading with him that, listen, if you let me go right now, I won't tell anybody what you did to me. So he makes this motion to go into his van and he starts pulling this object out of the van. And while he did this, Mary went and grabbed his arms to try to like keep him from grabbing whatever it was that he was going to get. And suddenly she feels herself falling backwards. You know, and her hands were wrapped around his arms. And when she falls backwards, she realizes she sees her arm still dangling from his arm. 
Oh, my gosh. She started kicking and screaming, and he said, if you want to be free, I'll set you free. And then she realizes that her arm was cut off below the elbow with a hatchet. I can't even imagine this. No. He starts going after her other arm, but since she knew what he was going to do, she was really fighting back. But then he started flailing his arms because he realized her arm was still attached to his shirt, but he was able to cut off her other arm right below the elbow as well. Mary decided, you know what? I'm going to play dead. So she just got super still, played dead in order to survive, and he started dragging her away, and then he picked her up and threw her off of a 30-foot cliff. (gasps) Oh my gosh. As she was falling, she could hear him say that now she was free. Upon landing from the fall, this is where her ribs were broken. Oh my God. Then he climbs down the cliff. (gasps) He drug her into a dark area and then he just left her. She was cold, naked, afraid, bleeding, and just reliving everything that had happened. She knew she couldn't sleep, but... She was so exhausted, blood's draining out of her. And she says that she just heard a voice and it said, don't go to sleep. You have to live. If you don't live, he's going to do this to someone else. 100% he'll do this to someone else. He had no regard for her life at all whatsoever. And she's just like, I can't let that happen. So she presses on because she knew she couldn't let it happen to another person. She looks around and she sees herself at the bottom of this 30-foot ravine. She has basically no hands and half her arm is cut off. So how is she going to climb this ravine? But she got very smart. She put her arms into the dirt and mud and jam-packed the dirt and mud to her into her arms to stop the bleeding. The bleeding, yeah. Would you even think of that? I don't know. Uh, Probably not. No. She starts scaling the side of the ravine to save herself. And the whole time while she's doing this, she keeps just listening in fear that he's coming back. She starts hearing there's cars that are close by. So she knows she's getting closer and closer to the top of the cliff. And the overall, the whole climb took hours. I can't imagine because she didn't have hands to pull herself up. Right. She put her arms above her head to help decrease the bleeding. And while she got to this road, she started walking for three miles naked afraid cold and bleeding out she saw a red convertible with boys driving the car they started slowing to pick her up but once they got closer they saw how she looked and then they sped off probably because they were scared Scared, especially if they were young Mm -hmm. but she knew it was over she was like this is how i'm gonna die eventually a couple found her um, the ones who had missed their turn or missed their exit and helped to save her life when her family found out what happened they couldn't believe what she had gone through because they hadn't even reported her missing well yeah because she ran away mm-hmm. over the time when she's in the hospital she starts working on how to use these new prosthetics but she got very depressed very angry about what her new life was going to be because she didn't have you know normal arms and hands anymore but now she- the one arm they probably had to remove the rest of it correct because wasn't there one arm that was still kind of attached no he got both oh, right dang. below the elbow okay she had a nurse who really worked with her and was like this is your new life we're gonna figure out a way for you to get better to figure out how to become your new normal mary just felt like this man destroyed her way of life well then because of how she was able to describe him he ends up being caught he was from san pablo california and his neighbor turned him in after he saw the police sketch from the info mary had provided oh nice his name was larry singleton he was 50 years old he looks like an old man though he is horrifying looking 
He had been divorced twice. He was known as a violent drunk. He was arrested previously because he had contributed to the delinquency of a minor. So basically, he was letting a, a kid be involved with bad behavior. He did, in fact, have a daughter that was around Mary's age. His, her name was Deborah, but she hated him. So sick. Like, how could you do that? Especially if you have a daughter. I mean, not that any of it is okay, but how disgusting. After the neighbor had called him in because of the police sketch, they go and they check out his residence. And he was ultimately connected with Mary because of some of her cigarette butts. And they also found her clothing on his property. He had tried to destroy the evidence by fire, but it didn't work. He also had a home in Nevada, and that's where they found the blue van. The interior had been taken out of the van, everything washed. A neighbor had actually helped him, and the neighbor told authorities because he had no clue why he was doing it until the stuff started coming out about him. Larry had tried to kill himself with sleeping pills. Didn't work. After he was found guilty? After they started interrogating him, him, like trying to figure it out. When he was brought in for questioning, he said Mary had been in his van previously because she was a $10 night whore. He said he had picked up three people, Pedro, Larry, and Mary. So another Larry, right? Same name. They smoked at a bar on their way, and then they all paid Mary for sex. He claimed he had fallen asleep, and the other Larry was driving, and Mary was gone. Her clothes were still there, and and they had said that she had gone to California. Larry was blaming the other Larry. So people speculate now that maybe he had multiple personality disorder and maybe he wasn't Mm. the real Larry who did it, but it really was Larry who did it. Larry felt that he was innocent and he also said that Mary had tried to kidnap him. Oh my god! And threatened to kill him if he didn't take her to her destination. So he was brought to trial and six months later, she was able to testify in front of him. He got 14 years That's it? For rape, attempted murder, and sex offenses. But at that time, that was the most they could give for this sentence. That's so fucking crazy. Oh, just wait. The judge did say, if I had the power, I would send him to prison for the rest of his natural life. People were like, this isn't a real sentence. This does does not fit the situation. Mary passed Larry, and while she passed him, he whispered to her, I'll finish the job even if it takes the rest of my life. Oh, wow. She was able to settle with him for $2.5 million, but he was unemployed, broke, and had no way to pay her. He had $200 to his name. You have to just keep remembering, this is a 15-year-old girl. Yeah. 15. No arms. Raped. Left to die. I'll finish the job. What a fucking sicko. Eventually, she's able to go home. She continued school. She finished high school. But throughout all this, she just kept reliving the nightmare. She stated that she felt like a freak. She couldn't dance anymore. Muscle actually had been taken from her leg to help her arms, so she couldn't dance. She was angry all the time. After high school, she became passionate about the dangers of hitchhiking. She starts telling her story. Oh, man. So she's saving, you know, possible people from hitchhiking. Now we know that, you know, 2020, we know the dangers of hitchhiking. Yeah. She eventually has a son. And then two years later, she has another son. While this is going on, Larry appeals his conviction. He was called mentally disabled and that had been shown in his previous trial. He says he wasn't trying to kill her when he cut off her arms. And ultimately, he served eight years of his 14-year sentence no. for good behavior and also by working as a teaching assistant inside the prison. Even though 
the psychologist who worked with him said that he was a threat. So why the fuck would they let him out? Like, this is crazy to me. Protests erupted everywhere. Any place that he tried to live, the people who lived in those communities were like, fuck no. No. Can, they, would you want to live next no. to this freak? Hell no. They were so Fucking outraged by sicko. the thought of they were so outraged by the thought of him living in their community. No one would accept this. So he ended up having to live in a trailer on the grounds of San Quentin for his one year parole. Then, while all that was going on, they were able to get the Singleton Bill passed, which says no early release for people who have tortured victims. And they also, the minimum sentence is 25 to life, which is how it should be. Yeah. Uh, but he wasn't given that bill. Even though it's named after him. Larry was out again, off parole, and he moves to Florida. And then when Mary found out that he was out-out, she went into hiding with her sons. Because he told her he was going to finish the job. That this guy is the devil. There's something wrong with this guy. I cannot believe that our justice system works like this. Yeah, it failed her. It failed her. That makes me so angry. Uh, Seven years later, Larry got into trouble for stealing. February 19th, 1997, a guy was painting a house and he heard some strange noises at a nearby house. He said that it sounded like someone was screaming, help, help, help. So he goes over to like look inside this house and he sees a naked man choking a naked woman in the living room. He calls the police and he told the dispatcher what he was watching. And then he said he could hear the sounds of bones being crushed. (gasps) Oh, my God. The officer went to the door of the house and saw a naked man covered in blood. He answered the door this way. He said he was just cutting vegetables. Well, the phone rings. This guy goes to go answer the phone and the officer kind of like peeks in and he sees a bloody naked woman on the couch motionless. One month earlier... A neighbor had saved this man who lived in this house when the man had tried to kill himself by inhaling car exhaust. The neighbor saved him. He was put into a psych ward and obviously he checked himself out. The woman who was there, her name was Roxanne Hayes. She had three children and she was a sex worker. The man who killed Roxanne was Larry Singleton. Oh, man. He had stabbed her multiple times with a butcher knife. And when Mary heard about this, she went crazy like just yeah. in fear she panicked anytime his name was mentioned she kept moving around a lot larry said he had met roxanne at a supermarket and agreed to pay twenty dollars for sex at the house she had asked for more money and they started fighting she got a knife and he took it from her and stabbed her nobody fucking believed him no Ugh. mary was asked to testify at roxanne's trial and she didn't want to but she's like i have to do this for roxanne yeah because roxanne should have never died exactly it should he should never have been out. Larry said he never meant to kill Roxanne. He was just confused. And Mary was able to detail her traumatic encounter for the court. And the whole time when she was up there, she just wanted to see his eyes. Four hours later, he was sentenced to death. Deborah. Finally. Yes. It, it sucks that it had to happen again. Yeah. I mean, the guy could hear through the house bones crushing. Yeah. This guy is Ugh. Deborah, Larry's daughter, was relieved her dad was put away. She had not wanted any relationship with him. Mary then eventually started drawing again. She creates these female action figures. And, dude, I just think she's such a badass. She continues to speak about her survival and how she wants to save other people. She met a man who she considered Mr. Wright. And three years later, Larry died in prison at the age of 74 from colon cancer. That's a bunch of bullshit. 
Yeah. I know that's karma, but like he he needed something worse to happen to he him. Needed he needed something way worse. He needed to be the same thing that she went through. He should have had to have gone yeah. through. Once he passed away, Mary could tell that her sons were relieved, and that was all the closure that she needed, which I think is amazing. She says, "It doesn't matter what you think. You're not ten feet tall and bulletproof. I used to think that, but look what happened to me. Because there's always somebody who will take you down if you don't stay aware." This is the message she spreads. Dang. Not only did the system fail her, but it failed the woman who died. Roxanne. Roxanne, mm-hmm. yeah. Man. It's like you want to have faith in our judicial system like you really do, but you hear so many stories like this or victims of domestic violence or children of domestic violence where it just goes through the cracks until somebody else dies or it it, it just it blows my fucking mind. I mean, it's crazy. this guy... I don't I don't care that that was the maximum sentence he could get at that time. They, they should never let him out on eight years. He should have at least had to serve the full sentence. Like, right. who the fuck let him out after eight years? And the psychologist said he was a threat. Right. So good behavior. Who what else is he going to do? Like, yeah. I mean, it's it, – it's, I'm so glad things have changed that way. Yeah. Because if, if somebody committed a heinous crime like that nowadays, you would hope to God somebody who raped – and cut this woman's arms off. I'm sorry. Eye for an eye. Have that same shit happen to yeah. you. It's so disturbing to me. It is. I mean, she is a survivor. And just like uh, Jennifer in our other story, I'm glad to hear that she's moved on with her life and made the best of it. But again, that's something you never forget. Mm-mm. Yeah, I, I would hope that our system doesn't work like that nowadays as well, too. The good thing, too, is every picture I had found of her... She's smiling. She seems like she's happy. And she's probably part of the reason why people don't hitchhike anymore. She's a badass. She's Yeah, a- both of these women were badass. Mm-hmm. Survivors. Like, yep. It's crazy. I just I keep thinking about her sticking her hand in the mud and I'm like, would to you stop the bleeding? Would you think of that when I mean you gotta be like, okay, I need to do something, I need to do something, but that's like brilliant. At fifteen years old to think of that is yeah. Wow. So hats off to you, Miss Mary Vincent. You're yeah. a badass woman. Who went through a lot at a very mm-hmm. young age. Can you imagine being her sons too? Like I would just always be in awe of my mom. Yeah, and I would always want to protect her too. Exactly. Whew. Whew. Well, yeah. Thank God they were survivors because those were horrible things that happened yeah. to these women. And I'm, I feel so bad for Roxanne. Like sex worker or not. You don't deserve that. No. Not at all. And I mean, the stigma that was around then for sex workers was terrible, but she was trying to support her children. You don't deserve to die. Well, and you don't know her story either. Exactly. Shit, you never know anyone's story. You Mm -hmm. never know what somebody could be struggling with that you just have no idea about. Exactly. That's just like Chadwick Boseman. He had colon cancer for four years and look at these amazing movies and stuff he put out well he filmed this video of himself talking and i don't remember what he was saying but he looked his face was super emaciated and people were calling him crackhead and saying all this horrible stuff and it's like he's going through cancer treatment so you never know what people are going through i know that was so sad to hear of his passing it was he was such a talented actor seemed like such a great human being too and a good role model because he did a lot of things for cancer patients and just kids yeah and nobody even knew taken too too soon that's a good one yeah way too soon i was really sad to hear about that (sighs) so changing gears next episode we are going to do an episode on questions 
Yeah, we're going to answer some personal questions about ourselves. We get a lot of questions from you all about, well, what do you think of this? And there are some would you rathers, so we kind of have some of those too. I feel like I have more of those, but it'll be fun. Yeah. You guys get to learn even more about us crazies here. And you can still continue to send questions in if you want to know something about us or you have a question you've always wanted to ask either of us. You can slide into our DMs, blondemomentspodcast at gmail.com. We're here for it. So I will end on our blonde joke. Yeah, we need something funny now. (laughs) A blonde to her doctor. I swallowed an ice cube a few days ago, but it hasn't come out yet. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Short but sweet. That was a good one.